0: I wanted to Google Willemsbrug, but the, the the first suggestion was Willem Engel. Right. You shouldn't do that.
1: It's Friday, March the eighteenth, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darich, Dutch News contributing editor, and Jesus killer. And with me today is Pal Peters, master student in civil engineering, and Jenga captain. Uh,
0: first of all, I need to do a little uh, disclaimer. There yes. are some construction works uh, going on just around my corner. Okay. Uh, they are piling some foundation piles, so that could mean that you uh, might hear a little, um, uh, yeah, some, some drum some, beats. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that we've relocated to Mariupol. No, that no. it doesn't mean that we are there. Yeah. It's uh, I'm just here in Delft, um, where uh, we have uh, trouble of our own kind. Now, um, I, I try to reinforce my blanket fortress, um, but there are limits of, of the acoustic uh, capabilities right. of uh, of my blanket. Okay, so, so I so try to uh, do yeah. my best to uh, mitigate yeah. it as much as possible. But right, uh, but
1: yeah. you, you might hear some dull thuds in the course of yeah. this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and that won't just be our jokes falling flat.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. No. And uh, that also will not be a uh, ship uh, running uh, against uh, a bridge in Rotterdam.
1: No, because that's what happened this week, didn't it? That's the, that's the reason that you're the Jenga captain this week. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Rotterdam was once again struck by, um, well, I, I'm not sure if it's a German ship. Uh, it used I mean, to it was be a German ships ship. that. It was
1: Dutch flagged, certainly.
0: Oh, Dutch flag. Okay, yeah. then it was a Dutch uh, Dutch yeah. ship, uh, a, a a small container ship. Uh, well, small. Uh, uh, in, in, how do you say, what's a binnenvaart ship? An in, uh,
1: in, uh, inland do, n- inland ship, I think you say. Or yeah.
0: or, or, or do don't we really?
1: We, we don't have so much binnenvaart in other countries. Uh, it's, it's, no, exactly. Yeah. Of, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah we, we do have canalways in uh, well in other places, but yeah, binnenvaart but is really a Dutch <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. We we really um, uh, differentiate between the, these types of ships. Yeah, the port of Rotterdam is of course one of the largest ports in in in, in Europe. Um, it mostly serves uh, Germany. So whenever the huge container ships arrive in Rotterdam, uh, the containers are transferred to smaller ships that uh, that that bring the containers to to Germany. And one of these ships this week um, was a little bit too high, or maybe uh, the bridge was too low, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ran into uh, the Willem'sbrug. Uh, uh, the the not, not the famous Erasmus Br- Bridge in Rotterdam, but uh, the the other red one. Um, so it uh, it crashed into it. It lost two containers. Uh, and ironically, the the ship was named uh, Jenga. Yes, that was great. Um, so yeah. like like a <laughs> Jenga tower, it uh, it lost all its uh, yeah little blocks. So yeah, that was uh, quite interesting. Yeah, um, uh, the, the, the bridge they were
1: kind of they were kind of asking for trouble, giving the ship that name, weren't they? They just should have thought about yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, tempting yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just like one, one time I was driving on the motorway and I saw um, a van uh, being uh, t- towed on the back of a trailer, and it was for the um, yeah, it was for the Breakdown Coffee Company, I think. Or like that. <laughs> it, was, it had a name like Breakdown or something. It was just yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. It it also reminds me of the Pablo Isco bar in uh in 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 in, in, in Brunswick or something that yeah. uh ha, had a drug laboratory uh, in the back of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so yeah, but uh, the 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 bridge was uh uh undamaged and uh, uh yeah, the 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 ship had some damage. It, it was leaking latex, whatever that might mean. Um but they embarked it uh, next to the Feyenoord stadium, so maybe um it had an impact on the results there uh, yesterday. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. It
1: was leaking latex. Was it was it headed for the red light district or something?
0: I think so, yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, it was m- all m- very m- maybe mysterious. Maybe the not
1: in Hamburg. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, you're familiar with all the... <laughs>
1: I'm not familiar with it. I've heard about it <laughs> okay, in the yeah, course yeah. of going on uh, the uh, Urban Dictionary and uh, all these <laughs> places. But, um, yeah. Let's move on. Let's <laughs> Let's be uh, very Jesus, on, yes. you killed
0: <laughs> Jesus. What's that about?
1: Yeah, I did, didn't yeah, um, did, this was a delightful moment from the local elections where uh, I, I was on Dutch News and News duty on local elections night. And very briefly... NOS uh, put up flashed up um, uh, a chart for Rotterdam City Council saying that there was a seat for a party called Jesus left if you're not familiar yeah. with this this is a kind of evangelist who has who, who contests every election and seems to have managed yeah. to uh, stand in a few municipalities this time as well which is his party is literally called Jesus lives and he wants yeah. to he, he's kind of even more uh, to, yeah he, he's kind of to the right of the SKP on in biblical terms um, it's quite based on sponsors to live by the word of the Lord and uh, NOS flashed up that he won a seat on Rotterdam City Council and there was a lovely little yeah. uh, and unfortunately it was a, it was a big mistake So, um, yeah, yeah, I I, I had to tell Broadcast the World that uh, uh, the second coming would have been delayed until the next municipal (laughs) elections in 2026.
0: Um, Yeah, decent wasn't alive after all. (laughs) He wasn't, no. Um, Um.
1: And, uh, yeah, uh, but but there was a lovely interview with him uh, on, I think, RTL, where just for a minute, for about five minutes of his life, he was kind of really excited and thought he was going to be able to bring the word of the Lord to Rotterdam City Council, which I I guess if there's any council that needs... um, As some kind of a (laughs) biblical treatment, it is probably Rotterdam, but uh, it'll have to wait, sadly.
0: Yeah, 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 and uh, the NOS did uh, did another fuck up there <laughs> as well because they uh, f- initially said um, a forum for democracy won three percent of the votes, but they translated that into three seats. So yeah, yeah it, it was it was all very confusing um, yeah. when they when they showed the uh, Rotterdam exit poll on Wednesday evening.
1: Yeah, and speaking of people who are not alive, they also said that um, Liespen for Town had won a seat in was it yeah. Eindhoven? In fact, they were standing in another uh, in another city
0: they said it was um, uh, in in breda yes um, which isn't true l p f the you know the 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 Pimfortein's party uh, has one single remnant in Eindhoven, so they uh mixed those up as well and then they said that um uh, uh Smolders, who was Pimfortein's driver uh ran in breda as well but that's not true he he uh, is running in Tilburg, where he is the where he had the biggest uh, political party. So yeah, mm. they had a lot of mix-ups in the live broadcast in the US uh, yeah. graphics as year. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, and then they corrected themselves, saying that the LPF is still active in Eindhoven and in Westland, but yeah. in Westland it is uh, the uh, uh, lokale party federatie. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh so yeah they they mixed it mixed it up very uh, they have the same abbreviation but they are different parties so yeah, yeah. they mixed it up on on a different uh uh, uh on a number of uh, of of instances yeah yeah
1: it, it is very confusing when you have like a thousand local parties and some of them have got the same acronyms to be fair to them uh, as we'll get into later on um but there was also um uh, a, a very um entertaining moment uh, on the day of the local elections because some uh, a, a very famous person straight after he'd voted um uh, yeah, um, was involved in an incident with the police. So what is the op-half of the week, Paul?
0: Yeah, the op of the week comes from Overschie, where anti-corona activist Willem Engel had been arrested on charges of incitement after 22,000 people signed a joint complaint. To remind you of who Willem Engel is, he is a um, yeah salsa dance teacher uh, who became the leader of the movement against the corona uh, measures. Uh, hang on, is he not a scientist? That's what it says in his uh, Twitter biography. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Does it say in the street of biography? Oh, it says, <laughs> I was the web
1: Yeah, I, I think it says something about so uh, a researcher he's an or a scientist I or think. something. Anyway, yeah, alternative mm, scientist. Okay. Yeah.
0: That that must be it. Um, Yeah, he was the leader of the uh, uh, anti-corona movement. Uh, At the start of the pandemic, he gained prominence after he was interviewed and quoted by several uh, media outlets uh, who initially presented him as uh, some sort of reasonable voice. But it soon uh, became clear that uh, he wasn't reasonable at all. He was actually just a conspiracy theorist. Engel fought almost every corona measure in court, which he couldn't have done by the generous donations uh, from his lunatic followers. Uh, that was basically his um, uh, his business model, wasn't yeah, it? It was, um, yeah, uh, it
1: was, his investment model. Yeah.
0: Having so many people transfer money to his account yeah. and then uh, uh, um, um, claiming that he's using it against uh, yeah. uh, 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 for lawsuits, yeah, the, the, um, the, and then
1: using to fund, obviously, uh, yeah, to, to pay the legal fees of his uh, of his very good friend, Pauls um, Yeah, so <laughs> make of that what you will.
0: Who, who's by the way a tax lawyer? Yes, <laughs> found out recently. <laughs> um, Willem Engel lost all the cases except one. Uh, he managed to have the curfew scrapped at one instance um, and Engel was arrested on Wednesday right after he had left the polling station to vote. The incident was filmed by his girlfriend who posted it on the internet and the video was widely shared both by people who celebrated his arrest as well as by Engel's supporters. He saw um, in the video proof that we are living in a dictatorship. Yeah, even that was great. That was a
1: lovely detail, wasn't it? That, that he'd literally just cast his vote in a free election.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was arrested the even allowed know, vote? I
1: think uh, yeah. So so if it's a dictatorship, it's a really bad one that lets you vote first <laughs> and then get arrested later. Yeah, they, they, they need to tighten up here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we, we are just a, uh, a dictatorship that's very zorgvuldig and <laughs> fijn, fijnmazig I think. Yeah yeah, was,
1: yeah, yeah. It was maybe just a symbolic vote.
0: <laughs> it's a symbolic arrest. Yeah. Uh, Engel will hear uh, today if he has to uh, remain in custody uh, any longer. And um, I think we should uh, have his trial. Um, uh, we should we should turn Ahoy uh, in Rotterdam into a, into a tribunal because I think a lot of people want to attend his trial. Mm. Um, I, I I definitely want to uh, want to be there. <laughs> I have to admit so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they can just have it by video link so that we can all keep a um, safe social distance from Willem Engel and his uh, his unwashed dreadlocks.
0: That's, uh, that's 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 uh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have thought about that. It's
1: so, so very entertaining, and we will bring you the latest on Engel's arrest, uh, trial, detention, and general humi- continuing humiliation uh, in subsequent episodes yeah. of the Dutch news
0: podcast. And the video was really weird, wasn't <laughs> it? Because it, it just yeah. seemed so acted. He he was arrested by two officers who weren't wearing traditional uh, uniforms, so mm. that already looked kind of strange. So they and had then masks he, on
1: as well, which was amazing. They had masks on, yeah. which uh,
0: uh, I mean. Um perhaps they, they, they anticipated that they would be filmed and they wanted to hide their identity which I uh, understand if you look at how aggressive some of his followers can be. Um, just ask Sigrid Kaag, for example. Mm. Um, so I can understand that, but it just all made it very weird and also uh, Engel's reaction to the arrest was also, it just all it seemed so overacted, right? It's um, It was a very curious uh, 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 situation and yeah. uh, the Dutch News uh, team yeah, analyzed <laughs> the video to death uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the what the conclusions are but, no, uh, I, yeah, it I think
1: the conclusions are he was arrested and you know it was genuine but it just looked a bit all a bit uh, kind of weird it's kind of the way that he didn't really sort of react at all he mm-hmm. just sort of went quietly and you thought somebody who's like a fierce you know, vocal anti-coronavirus activist, resistance fighter. you're not much a resistance fighter, really. <laughs> not much resistance on, on show. But it was. I, I just love the fact that immediately, as soon as he was arrested and it was shared on social media, it immediately, of course, sparked a whole wave of conspiracy theories, which yeah, yeah. I thought was entirely Ironically.
0: appropriate <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we will link um, um, to the video in the liner notes if you want to uh, check it out and determine yeah. for yourself if this was uh, an inside job or not. Yeah.
1: This week we'll untangle the threads of the local elections, tell you about an infectious virus that's doing the rounds, and update you on whether the Netherlands is meeting its climate change targets. And as we try to ditch our dependency on Russian oil and gas, how quickly are the Dutch switching to electric cars?
0: On Wednesday, the Netherlands went to the ballot box to elect the new city councils of 333 municipalities. The votes have been counted, so let's take a look at the results. But first, Gordon, I'm uh, going to ask you... I'm not going to ask you what, who you voted for, because that's clearly Rita Verdonk. Yes. Um, but my question is, where did you vote?
1: Yes, because I followed the advice to, to vote for a woman. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of a trend thing, isn't it? Local elections. You should uh, choose a yeah. uh, female candidate. Um, but yeah, you have Rita Verdonk, just, just for very quickly, there was lots of kind of Rita not watch this week, wasn't there? Everyone's was kind of uh, sharing pictures of her turning up in her uh, yellow and green striped uh, limousine uh, to, to to the polling station. It was all kind of quite slightly macabre, actually. I thought anyway. Um, but Rita Foddon, for those who don't know, who was the former um, was a Home Affairs Minister. Oh, sorry, the former Immigration Minister. Yes, who, who was ultimately responsible for cancelling uh, Ayan Hasi Ali's passport, uh, which kind of uh, yeah. Did it directly trigger the fall of, uh, of the cabinet or did that wait? No, but it sort of started, it started the chain of events that led to Dunk being kind of kicked out of the Féfé Day, effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's who she is. And she's now second, uh, number two candidate for Richard, Richard de Moss's party in The
0: Hague. Um, And she's just waiting um, (laughs) for him to be arrested and to be (laughs) trialed for corruption, right, to take over. My theory is that as soon as she takes over, the party will change its names from Groep Richard de Mosne to Ton, Trots op Nederland, or Groep Rita Verdonk. Trots op Den Haag, maybe. Trots op Den Haag, yeah, who knows? That's my theory. Um, Yeah, she she also, yeah, she's just such an interesting character. And it's just so weird to see her uh, back onto onto the political um, uh, stage because... You know, she once famously almost um, uh, won from uh, uh, Mark Rutte yeah. in the VVD leadership election. It was only a few percentage, uh, only less than 1% difference in votes or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just so strange to see her back.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, she got more uh, personal votes in the next general election than Mark Rutte. In the 2007 yeah.
0: election, yeah, when she was number two, I yeah. wonder if that's uh, now also the case. I don't think so. I think Richard no. de Mous is uh, uh, too popular in in The Hague to uh, to to uh, to achieve that for her. Yeah, I think, I think
1: so. Yeah, yeah. But I voted um, in the uh, well. Uh, there, there are a few good options in The Hague. You could vote in the Kunstmuseum, which was formerly the uh, Gemeentemuseum. Um, uh, also, lots of you could actually go and vote in the uh, well. You can't vote in the Senate at the moment, of course, because it's shut. Usually, you can't you, for renovations. Uh, usually, you can actually vote in the Senate. Uh, but I ended up just voting in the the, the very big church, um, just at the end of my street, uh, uh-huh. which is uh, where I always vote. And I also voted with my eighteen-year-old son, who was voting for the first time. So it was kind of oh. a nice moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, did you? Did, were you allowed to uh, take your the pencil uh, home with you? Yes, or not? I've
1: got. I have my red pencil. I don't have it with me right here, but I I, I did take the pencil home. Yeah, as a souvenir. Ah, so we, me we too. Did. So I. Yeah.
0: yeah I now have now. two two pencils now. Yeah. yeah it's so two nice ones too. Yeah, so I think I'm going to sell one on on Marktplaats.nl. I think. I think you
1: definitely should. Yeah, that must be a yeah. tradition as well
0: yeah <laughs> exactly um, yeah I voted uh, I wanted to vote at the Delft uh, City Hall which I usually uh, vote at uh, last time uh, it was closed because it's yeah it has quite a small room so they thought because of the corona pandemic uh, it might not be the a good idea to, to vote there so instead they moved um, um, the polling station to the opposite uh, uh, of the market square to the to the new church uh, and this time they did it as well even though you know we are technically out of the uh corona pandemic um, um, um in terms of measures uh, and, and and one half meter distance is uh, scrapped so yeah i thought i can vote there again but uh I still had to go to the to the to the to the church but right. that's that was fine so i voted um just a few uh, feet away from um uh, from the, the the tomb of uh, william the silent uh, the father of the nation so yeah ah. that was, that's a nice nice location i'm
1: sure he was very uh, happy with that <laughs> uh, so who won the elections?
0: Uh... Yeah, uh, well, as expected, uh, the local parties have collectively won the election with uh, yeah over 36% of the votes. Um, yeah, a local party is a political party that's only active in one municipality. And there are literally hundreds of them, as we already mentioned. Uh, they are spread over the entire political spectrum. So yeah, it, we can't really regard them as one homogeneous group. So it's not actually not really accurate to, to, to just call them uh, uh, one single group. But, you know, with the lack of uh, a better definition we just do that, mm. um, and they they won because they went from not twenty nine percent last time to uh, to thirty six uh, now. So uh, yeah, they are. Uh, it's a, it's a continuing trend that local parties uh, are becoming the the dominant force in municipality politics.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think most commentators expected the local parties would. Uh be, would improve on their vote share from last time. But I'm not sure everyone expected them to go, to be as successful as they were. I mean, people thought they push over 30%. They got over 35%, which is actually quite, and which is three times as much as any of the national parties.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, people trust, have more trust in local parties to deal with local issues clearly than they have in national parties. And yeah, a lot of, you know, that's that's one of the, um um reasons people vote for local parties. Another one is that very often they want to vote for an, another party, an anti-establishment party, PvV, Form for de- Democracy, to a lesser extent SP or the Partij voor de Dieren, and yeah. they don't participate in 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 uh, the majority of the municipalities. So pe- when people want to vote for them, they uh dis- often decide not to vote at all or vote for one of the local parties that um um, um, as a sort of protest vote against the national parties, yeah. but it's very d- difficult to determine which share of the votes you know are based on this, or which share are based on um, on 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 the trust uh, thing I, I just mentioned. Um, and also very often people just know these people, right? They yeah. vote for someone who, an, a neighbor or someone they know or someone from, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the, the local football um, association. Who knows? So it, that's also uh, a consideration for many people.
1: Yeah, and sometimes some local parties are even smaller than that because they're, they're actually targeting a particular demographic in the um, uh, in the munis- municipalities. So there are student parties in the university cities like Delft uh, where yeah. the student party I think became the biggest party. Um and also yeah, for Fronia. the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, so sometimes the local party is not just for local people, it's for a specific group of local people.
0: Yeah, so as I said, it's very, very difficult. Actually, it's not accurate to just put them on one pile, but, you know, we... we, It, it, it's, it's easy to do so let's uh, let's just do it <laughs> yeah l- looking at uh, the national parties uh, it, it depends on your definition who won there um, if you look at the number of seats the CDI is the biggest party you have 1105 seats followed by VVD with 987 but if you look at the number of votes the VVD won with 11.5% followed by CDI with 11.2 um, showing that CDI did better in smaller municipalities where the electoral threshold is is smaller mm-hmm. um, Um, And also, um, it was predicted that the CDA would lose heavily in the municipality elections. Uh, The CDA's voters' uh, base is primarily in the rural areas, and the party has become increasingly less popular among them due to discontent among farmers, for example. But CDA seems to have avoided a catastrophic defeat, even though they aren't nearly as happy they aren't. They weren't in a celebratory mood uh, on, on on Wednesday evening because, after all, they still lost 250 seats. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was it was kind of
1: damage limitation, wasn't it? I mean, since some of the uh, forecasts before the election said they might slump to about seven percent, but they yeah. they didn't they didn't do as badly as that. And I think Volker no. said he, he, he even he, he said you know that the the result is better than we expected, which tells you their expe- expectations were extremely low.
0: Yeah, they were f- extremely low, to say the least, sure. yeah. And next we have Deza with 8.7% of the votes. Uh, Deza Sester also claims a win. They say that they are the only coalition party that has won seats. Uh, they also say they are the largest progressive party in the municipalities. Um, so, yeah, they they're, are... They're, um, and they're
1: also the largest party with D and 66 in their names. so... You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they claim a win here, even though, you know, it's not, yeah, that that that's uh <laughs> no. Their reasoning is not that sound. Let's yeah. uh, let's let's keep it that way. Um, and they are. This successor is followed by GroenLinks and PVDA. And this party also swept places if you uh, look at the number of uh, seats instead of percentages. Um, mm. Yeah. And overall, there are no big electoral landslides compared to four years ago. Um, no big losses. Um, uh, no big wins, with the exception of the Socialist Party that lost a third of its votes mm. and went down from 4.3 percent to 2.8. Mm. Um, and uh, who also claims a winners' as Forum for Democracy. Uh, instead of one municipality last time, they took part in 50 municipalities uh, this year. Forum for Democracy had three seats in Amsterdam last time, 49 seats now in total. And they say, wow, we increased 1,533%. So yeah, <laughs> we are the biggest winner. Um, but if you if you take into account that they participated in 4,900% more municipalities, yeah. <laughs> that puts the, the things uh, a little bit more in perspective, I yeah, would the, say. Yeah,
1: that's, uh, that's very... Um, um, you know, on-brand uh, maths from, um, yeah, from, from form of democracy, isn't it? yeah
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, Cherry-picking. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, BBC's, yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you look at the context, I mean they, they targeted 50 municipalities, right? So you would think that as 50 municipalities where they had a look at the list and thought these are the ones where we can get the most votes. But yep. with the exception of Leilistat and Almira, where they got around 4 to 5%, they didn't get more than 3% anywhere in targeted municipalities. So you have to say they, they, you know, they put an off, they invested an awful lot of uh, ammunition in getting a very modest return, which is not unlike the kind of progress of the Russian army.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they they didn't even win <laughs> uh, a seat in Urk. Uh, yeah. I mean of all the places uh you would think uh, uh Thierry Boudet would be popular, that would be Urk. He he spent I think every weekend campaigning there for the past months and uh, he didn't manage to win a seat. Um I have to say that in Hoge uh in Drenthe um Full of Democracy won seven point one percent of the oh, vote. So they? that was that was their biggest that win. Was a high point. But for- that was, uh, yeah, that's the, the high point, and in Beverwijk 5.6, right. but for the rest, um, yeah, it was all less than, uh, less than, uh, 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 around four to four percent, two to four percent. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, so uh, yeah, th- yeah, no, that shows that 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 we might, uh, pay a little bit too much attention to this party, and um, um, um perhaps we should uh, tone that down a little bit more and I realise that I say this while I'm talking about while you're that. talking
1: about Paul Verdinger's but you know <laughs> yeah. I mean in, in, just put in context in the last provincial elections which were 20 uh, when were they 2019 2018 yeah 2019 they got 13% of the vote in the last Trader camera elections they got 5% nationwide and this year they struggled to get more than 4% in you know places where they thought they would do well so I exactly. think that puts it in context I agree, um, and then let's zoom in a bit then on on the big cities because that's obviously where you know um, uh, a lot of our listeners live. Uh, Starting with Amsterdam because that was a big uh, a bit of a surprise result, I think, wouldn't you say?
0: It was a big surprise to yeah. me and uh, to a lot of uh, 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 observers as well uh, because the largest party in Amsterdam became surprisingly the PvdA, uh, the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. They surprised uh, friends and foe by uh, 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 by winning the election. Uh, they had 18% of the vote and they dethroned GroenLinks, that uh, became second uh, this time with 15%. And uh, the PvdA Labour used to dominate the city council of the capital for many decades. Uh, voters abandoned the party after uh, they joined a uh, coalition with Mark Rutte uh, in his second cabinet in 2012 remember they lost 75% of its seats in the Tweede Kamer election uh, in the next election um, as well as support on every other level and that included um, um, for example a strong base in the northern provinces and uh, in, in the uh, municipalities as well so this is the first time since 2012 that Labour has started to win elections again um, even though it's only a, f- a few in, in, in a couple of municipalities in the north they won um, uh, uh, the elections uh, but you know Having won the capital is definitely a big win for them. the the, the third winner was um, the third largest party is DSA's with thirteen point nine percent. They lost three um, uh, percent uh, of the votes. VVD became fourth and um, by um almost tripled in size. Uh, they went from two percent of the votes to almost uh, seven. So well, no, they they more than tripled tripled, right? Yeah. Yeah, they more than tripled. So, yeah, congratulations to uh, Sylvana Simons party and newcomers, uh, VOLT and um, Forum for Democracy split off, Yeah, 21. They both won uh, a little over 4% of the votes. So, very fragmented um, uh, city council in Amsterdam and, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But, yeah but 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 the three biggest parties actually just about have enough seats uh, for a majority so uh, do we think that that's what might happen in the, um, uh, the, the when when they come to form for a local cabinet
0: probably um i think uh, especially pvda and groenlinks they will probably want to have a uh, as left wing um uh, coalition as possible yeah. uh, so they would be very likely to try it with the, these three parties first um and i'm sure they <laughs> will do their best to uh, to 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 uh, end up with a uh, left wing coalition yeah, otherwise yeah. they have to uh, invite the pvda and perhaps another party and that would just complicate things very much i think
1: yeah yeah definitely um okay so then uh, on, on to rotterdam where, where once again leefbaar uh who were kept out of the coalition last time um did well again
0: um yeah the the big winner in rotterdam is uh, leefbaar they kept their 11 seats and they are followed by vvd GroenLinks, and d 60 vvd and GroenLinks they uh, kept their five seats as well and only d 60 lost one they went from five to four seats um like uh, PVDA as well, by the way. Um, so a very stable uh, result compared to last year, I think. And that's, you know, the overall conclusion. You don't see really big changes, I think, yeah. in, in many municipalities. Yeah. But of course, um, it was a very
1: fragmented uh, council before this time, and it hasn't got any, any easier to to, to manage.
0: No, because they are—they have two new parties uh, added to the list: uh, Volt and by They both won uh, two seats, um, and yeah, as you said last time, Leefbaar was kept out of the coalition. But this time, that seems very unlikely. Um, yeah, only minor changes, but uh, still, now a coalition of, of seven or perhaps eight parties is required uh, to keep bar out. So yeah, that would be su- such a large coalition that uh, is 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 uh, is very impractical. So yeah, you, you i might might expect Leif Bar to, uh, uh, to join a, a coalition.
1: Yeah, I think certainly the, the, the talks are going to have to include Leif Bar initially, even if they yeah. Yeah, if subsequently drop out. But like you say, it's a huge challenge to keep them out. And uh, yeah, th- that brings us on to another city where the biggest party um, uh, has been shut out of the coalition, uh, The Hague.
0: Yeah, Yeah. where also, again, a local party won, Group de Moss. Um, The party of former PVV MP Richard de Moss won 17% and nine seats, which was lower than their expectations. Uh, I almost saw Richard de Moss crying on television because (laughs) he expected to win so much more. they are followed by D66 uh, that went up uh, from six to eight seats. VVD, GroenLinks, PvdA and CDA all stayed level with seven, five, three and three seats respectively. Um, so yeah, um, do you know if, if, if um, mathematically speaking it is possible to, to keep uh, the Moss out of a coalition again or not?
1: Yes, the current coalition could carry continue because it's a five-party um, combination of uh, FFD, zester Groninx, cdr and PFDA. Um In fact, hmm. they could actually lose one of those last two, cdr and PFDA, and still have a narrow majority. Um, wow, and perhaps okay. they'll just carry on. Uh, although zester um, are the biggest party now uh, of those five. Obviously, second to Richard de Moss, and that's uh, that they swap places with FFD. Um so yeah, um it did uh, the, I think that's the most likely option. Dez Sester also gained three percent in The Hague. They did they did much better in The Hague than other cities, yeah. I think that's probably because they made it very much a direct fight between themselves and Hoop de Moss. Um
0: Yeah, that's uh, the, the the usual strategy of Dezustak, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so l- yeah, last time 15 parties in the in the city council of 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 The Hague. Um, yeah. So so fragmented. It's it's um, it's insane actually. But
1: um, yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then because we're not going to do, go into every single municipality, but in some of the um, next largest cities, uh, we saw Kroon uh, links kind of. Uh, Still the biggest in Utrecht and Groningen, uh, but they lost support. But in Nijmegen, GroenLinks uh, did better than them. they actually increased their margin. So they're now the largest party. I think they gained uh, three seats. So yeah, still kind of did, yeah. So, so it's kind of difficult to spin this in context of GroenLinks. I mean, the Klaver gave this quite kind of valedictory speech, saying uh, you know that it was a great recovery after the setbacks of last year's general election. But on the other hand, when you actually look at the results, they actually they, they, their vote share is down. Uh, on four years ago over across the nation but in a few places and especially some flagship um, uh, councils uh, like Eindhoven they did they strengthened their position and they have actually although they lost support in places like Utrecht and Kronia they are still the biggest party so I guess it's not disaster but also maybe not quite the uh, the the, the glorious triumph that uh, Jesse Klaff was trying to suggest it was.
0: No, but they do spin it as a win. Yeah, of uh, course they they say, CDA, we, does. Yeah, yeah, everyone does, except CDA, um, who, uh, who has the right to spin it as a, as a win. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Um, I think the other yeah, part that we should
1: mention in that context that, that hasn't been talked about is, uh, is Partei für die Dieren, who did, did, I think they did very well in several municipalities and in places where they had seats. I think they mostly gained seats and they also entered a few municipalities where they hadn't contested before and again uh, picked up two or three seats in a lot of places. And there's a lot of speculation. The speculation. So they're not on any in any coalition in any municipality at the moment. But uh, whether no. some of the more progressive coalitions might be tempted to bring the uh, the animal rights party on board this time.
0: Yeah, they they won 9.1 percent in Utrechtse Heuvelrug, um, yeah. which is uh, yeah um, um, a municipality in Utrecht. Um, so yeah, that. Um, they 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 did very well even though they also um cherry picked municipalities where they would uh, participate like form for democracy did but they um made the right choice in that regard if you look at their results
1: yeah so Esther yeah, so Auerhand uh, yeah, I think was saying after the election that, uh, that they're ready to govern so in the past you know I think because I so, you know they're obviously quite a sort of you know fundamentalist party the name suggests yeah. that they've kind of stayed out of uh, actually joining uh, going into government and other parties haven't really seriously considered the option of uh, bringing them into coalition but uh, I think there's a few places now like Utrecht for example where they could make the difference in um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, making majority for a uh, progressive left coalition.
0: Yeah, we'll see. And um, we will have 333 formations to look <laughs> forward to. <Yes>. So uh, <laughs> keep an eye on dutchnews.nl if you want to um, keep track of them all. And we have a full election coverage uh, on uh, a yeah selected number of of cities uh, the 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 largest uh, municipalities and urk for some reason um (laughs) (laughs) uh, so uh, yeah go to uh, dutchnews.nl if you want to uh, check that out
1: yeah yeah i think we include Urk just for kind of curiosity value um (laughs) so no big surprises but there was a lot of talk about the turnout being disappointingly low
0: Yeah, the the turnout of the elections is typically not that high, but this year it was unusually low. Uh, It went down from 55% to only 50.3%. Rotterdam had the lowest turnout with only 38.9% of its voters casting their ballots. Mayor Ahmed Abutaleb said in a response that he was disappointed and concerned by the low turnout in the city. Um, Observers said that the Russian invasion of Ukraine has overshadowed the campaign and pointed out that uh, the long cabinet formation uh, also has undermined trust in democracy could possibly also have made the public tired of politics. Um, home Affairs Minister hanke Brown Slot has announced an investigation into the low turnout, saying it is unclear if local or national issues caused voters to stay at home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess we should say that in the international context, 50% for local elections is not as bad as in some countries, but it is quite a big decline from last time, and there is a general downward trend in participation in elections. So perhaps that does suggest...
0: Yeah, and I heard someone say that um, uh, last time uh, the uh, turnout was fifty. What was it? 55%, Fifty-five percent, um, yeah. and that was that was higher than usual. Uh, and someone said that might have been because uh, it was also combined with the referendum on the um, a, a new law on the intelligence services. Mm. Um, I don't know if that affects. Uh, uh, I can't. Uh, I can't imagine someone that wants to go out to vote because of a referendum. <laughs> but okay, uh, that might be an explanation. Um, but yeah, it is worrying that we that we see this downward trend. And um, yeah, we uh, we're gonna have to look into that and uh, see how we can counter that because yeah, uh, yeah um, uh, if half of the people decide to stay home, yeah, that's just not a. Not a good sign. It's
1: not great for democracy, is it? Especially at a time when democracy is uh, under attack elsewhere. The Netherlands is in the grip of an epidemic. Thousands of people have reported symptoms, including coughing, sniffling and sneezing, as well as high temperatures and aching limbs. And this week, the public health agency, RAVM, confirmed the outbreak was officially an epidemic.
0: And yet there are still people out there saying that this is just a flu.
1: Yeah, but this time, Paul, it really is just a flu. So this, oh, is actually okay. an epi- this is actually a flu epidemic uh, which is going oh. running in parallel with the, corona- with the coronavirus pandemic so uh, not nice of flu to turn up right at the end of the race and uh, actually what uh, some health experts are saying is that the coronavirus pandemic may have kind of delayed the regular flu season which tends to be in the autumn, yeah. early winter uh, because the restrictions like wearing masks and Keeping out of crowded areas meant that other seasonal illnesses didn't get a chance to spread either. But now the restrictions have been lifted because the pandemic is over, apparently. Uh, People are now going down with (laughs) flu as well as coronavirus. And in fact, this year's outbreak, they think, could be worse than usual because people haven't built up uh, natural immunity in the way that they usually would. And that could cause problems for people with underlying health conditions. Um, the RFM uh, obviously has an official definition of an epidemic, which is if more than 58 people, very specific number, 58 out of every <laughs> 100,000 go to their doctor with flu light symptoms in a week, and 10% of those uh, are indeed diagnosed with uh, influenza, then that's an epidemic. Uh, but in the last few years, that's been harder to track because a lot of people with flu symptoms haven't gone to their doctor, they've gone to get a coronavirus test instead. So perhaps there's been yeah. an under-the-radar small flu epidemic uh, along with coronavirus well, perhaps the whole thing was just a flu, and Willem Engel is right.
0: Perhaps. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, but at least, uh, yeah, if you take into account his uh, de- cho- uh, choices of dance and his uh, <laughs> hairdresser's choices, then uh, he's probably not right at no. all. Um, but at least uh, the coronavirus pandemic is over, so we can just concentrate on the flu now.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Health Minister Ernst Kappers did indeed confirm this week that uh, we're dropping the last restrictions from next Wednesday uh, which is March 23rd and that means face masks will not be compulsory on public transport people will not be asked to work from home for half the week and all testing for entry will end at the moment you still have to test negative if you're going to an unseated event for more than 500 people um, indoors He did say that coronavirus wasn't over and people should continue to be careful, especially around the vulnerable. So take a self-test, for example, if you visit people with uh, underlying health conditions. Uh, But Kauper said the vaccines and the Omicron variant meant we can end the restrictions and just trust in the common sense of the Dutch people.
0: Yeah, that's... um
1: It served us so well in the last two years. It served
0: us so well, indeed, yeah. Uh, And and, and what did the outbreak management team have to say?
1: Well, they they gave their last recommendation of uh, this plan for the time being, uh, apparently. Uh, They did recommend keeping some of the uh, advisory rules, like working from home. Uh, and quarantining, that does still apply. The self isolation quarantine rules still apply, so if you test positive, you should isolate for five days. They also warned in particular that the spike from the carnival weekend that was the last time cap was trusted in the common sense of the Dutch people uh, <laughs> would lead to more hospital admissions and pressure on the healthcare system. There's nearly 2,000 people with coronavirus infections in hospital at the moment, and that's gone up by about 40% in the last two weeks. Uh, which no one seems to be worried about. Uh, The good news is infections are falling again so it seems like this could be a short this is hopefully just a short sharp spike and uh, hospital numbers will probably peak in the next week or so.
0: So, um, what about travel? If you if you are still able to uh, to go by boat to the UK, yeah, uh-
1: yeah, but apparently you're not because the uh, P&O Ferries have just sacked all of the uh, all all the staff in a yeah, absolute yeah, yeah travesty of um, labour relations. Uh, so if you're, yeah. if you're so yeah, if you're thinking of travelling by boat from Rotterdam to Hull, uh, choose a different route that's not run by P&O Ferries. Uh, but the official travel advice from the Dutch government has been absolute dog's breakfast as usual, um, and there's been a lot of confusion um, about whether people will still have to test or show proof of vaccination before they travel to the Netherlands uh, we, we did ask the health ministry to clarify and they have since updated their website so it's a little more clear but basically the, what's the, all testing is ending firstly, so no, if you want to travel to the Netherlands uh, either coming home or you've got people coming over to visit uh, you do not have to take a coronavirus test Beforehand, Uh, If you're a European Union citizen, you don't have to test or show evidence you've been vaccinated uh, to enter the country. If you're a non-EU citizen, which of course these days includes people like me, British citizens, uh, you will have to show proof of vaccination or recovery, but you don't need to take a test. And if you're unvaccinated, there is still an EU travel ban, so you will uh, have to show you're exempt on the the long list of other exemptions, like you're travelling for work or you're on urgent uh, family business. Uh, which includes things like visiting grandchildren. So it's quite a long list, and it's on the Dutch government's website. If you've had your second vaccine or your single-dose Janssen vaccine more than nine months ago, you will need to get a booster uh, to qualify as uh, uh, fully vaccinated. And it's also worth Mm. saying you're still supposed to wear a mask on the plane at the airport, but uh, most of the airlines, or certainly the biggest ones like KLM and Transavia, say they're not going to bother enforcing it anymore because they're worried about passengers getting angry. So...
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. but I'm, right. I'm going to keep wearing a mask on the plane. I think uh, mainly because uh, the, 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 these passengers, uh, because of these uh, passengers spitting virus uh, in, in their uh, yeah uh, in their violent outbursts. There's more details of the travel rules on the Dutch News website.
0: The central planning agency (CPB) has updated its economic forecast and now says the Russian invasion of Ukraine could bring the Netherlands in a short recession. The new scenario takes the war impact on energy and fuel prices into account. The agency calls the war a fundamental external uncertainty, which is uh, uh, an, underst- an enormous understatement, mm-hmm. but okay. Uh, the new scenario assumes that the war will lead to long-term high energy and commodity prices and lower spending in various European economies. This will affect world trade and therefore the Netherlands which is a trade-based economy. If this happens uh, GDP will contract for a number of quarters with growth reaching 1.9% in 2022 and nil in 2023. Inflation will then rise to almost 8% cutting spending power by 5.1 percentage points and last week the Saper Bay said inflation will average 5.2% this year and this scenario does not take into account energy tax cuts and compensation for low-income families which was announced uh, by the government last week
1: yeah and they come into force from july the first so they're they're not going to affect the first two quarters of this year but yeah and i think uh, they did include disclaimers saying that because the scenario is so uncertain at the moment um these uh, there's a very wide margin for error in these predictions right so the inflation could be much higher but it could also be much lower if the russian tanks peter out in the next couple of weeks which it looks like they might given the state of the russian military yeah. So we, but we will just have to see and meanwhile the Dutch government is applying the sanctions against Russian oligarchs uh, like, uh, and uh, like the rolling out of the vaccine programme this is progressing very carefully and diligently
0: Yeah, uh, zorgvuldig and fijnmaasig, as uh, Hugo de Jonge would call it. Uh, Yeah, MPs have called on Finance Minister Sigrid Kaag to explain why Dutch financial institutions have frozen just only 6 million euros of assets owned by sanctions Russians so far. Uh, Kaag said in a reply to a motion by Socialist Party MP Jasper van Dijk that 132 institutions had declared assets owned by clients on the European Union sanctions list. However, more than 80% of the replies came from trust officers which do not hold assets directly um, in the Netherlands according to uh, Kaag's letter
1: right. so, 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 so the, so the brevibus firmas are uh, coming back to bite us basically
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eight banks said they held 1.75 million euros in frozen assets. Investment firms held uh, f- almost 4 million euros and 340,000 was held in four pension funds. The Financiele Dagblad calculated last year that Russian firms had around 90 billion euros invested in the Netherlands at the end of 2020. Of this, 35 billion was linked to individuals on the EU sanctions lists, which now runs to 862 individuals and 73 companies nis. Nice. Um to put things in contrast a little bit Belgium has frozen 10 billion euros of Russian assets since the invasion of Ukraine began while other countries uh, have even uh, taken uh, a step further such as Spain that has confiscated an 89 million euros yacht owned by a Russian that isn't even on the sanction list Mm -hmm. Um, Independent MP Peter Olmsicht said that it seems that if the Netherlands is applying the sanctions uh, slowly and interpreting them narrowly Right.
1: So Spain seizes one yacht worth 89 million and the Netherlands manages to grab a total of 6 million, which is you know, like 6.7% yeah. 6, 6. of one yacht. Although, to be fair, Klaas Knott, the head of the, um, uh, the, the the Dutch National Bank, uh, said on New Zealand last night they've managed to raise it to 200 million now. So the, okay. it's, it's, so yeah. the fundraiser is um, slowly... Climbing up, uh, yes, yeah, so, so climbing up through the Did millions. they
0: confiscate uh, Willem Engels' um, it, charity? Yeah. Did, did they kidnap <laughs> his
1: hairdresser? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah but it does yeah. seem, seem bizarre. Yeah, but, yeah, but again, it's, it, 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 it's yeah. I think it's kind of actually pretty embarrassing for the for, for the Dutch who spend so much time insisting. Uh, that they, their their country is not a tax haven when you can only manage to find two hundred million of Russian assets in your uh, in, in, in your banks and all the rest have been kind of spirited away via uh, via trust um, trust offices.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um yeah, now you see even uh, even more calls by MPs to uh yeah, to end the practice of of, of having this uh, letterbox firms uh, uh having them allowed in the Netherlands and to do something against it. Yeah. Just like um uh for example that we now see a lot of um 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 Um, urgency in in getting energy depend independent from russia Uh, it was just announced this morning that we will see uh, that the government is building a a number of wind farms um, uh, 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 off the coast of the netherlands Um, we see all sorts of developments and also the urgency seems to have uh, been increased on many issues and uh, this is just one of them
1: If you've followed this podcast's efforts to make sense of the local government jigsaw puzzle, the coronavirus conundrum, or the impact of the war, you should have worked out by now we need an awful lot of coffee to keep going. And you can help by donating to our coffee fund via patreon.com. You can help us to help you keep track of all the latest developments for as little as a dollar, a euro, a pound, or 3,000 rubles a day. (laughs) <laughs> you'll earn a shout out on the next podcast the chance to ask us a question and most importantly of all our sincere and eternal gratitudes and uh, we'd like to say as ever thank you very much to the 100 plus patrons who have kept us going uh, throughout uh, all these uh, yeah, uh, remarkable times if you'd like to join our band of patrons log on to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dutchnewsnl And uh, yeah, once again, as to everyone who's contributed, who's continued to donate, uh, once again, we'd like to say a very big thank you. It looks as if the Netherlands is going to miss its targets for greenhouse gas emissions after all. CBS, the statistics agency, said this week that emissions rose in 2021 by 2.1% after dropping back by 8.8% in 2020, mostly because of course everything stopped during the uh, first uh, period of the coronavirus pandemic. That meant that we just narrowly managed uh, to hit the target of uh, reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 25% of 1990 levels in 2020, but now it's crap back up again over that 25% line, which was the level enshrined in the Urgenda court ruling in 2019. The cold start to the year, this last year, uh, not this year, meant that the horticultural sector in particular had to use much more energy to heat its greenhouses. I guess the illegal drug trade in Brabant had to use a lot more energy as well. (laughs) And uh, emissions from homes, schools and offices also went up by 10%.
0: Yeah, and what are the consequences of missing the agenda targets? Because it was a court order after all. It
1: was a court order, yes, which basically said the government was actually legally bound to meet the targets so that it uh, agreed to in the Paris Accords. It is a Supreme Court judgment, so Urgenda has been threatened to go back to court and ask the, the the judges to set a dwangson, which is a kind of conditional penalty if the, the government has yeah. to pay if it doesn't comply with the ruling. Now, the big question, of course, is where that money would come from, because obviously the government's money comes from us, taxpayers. Yeah, But Urgenda has said it's going to hold off to see if the new cabinet goes ahead with the uh, much more ambitious plans to tackle climate change that were in its uh, current coalition agreement. But of course, um, well, one party, the CDR, now wants to renegotiate the coalition agreement because it says we should be spending more money on defence. So we will have to see.
0: Yeah. Electric cars have become increasingly popular with private buyers since the first government subsidies came into effect in 2020. Figures compiled for auto trade organization Rijvereniging and Bovag showed that individual buyers made up 21% of new electric car sales in 2020, compared to only 12% in 2019. The total number of electric cars sold went down by 13%, largely because production has hampered by a global shortage of semiconductor chips. Industry experts feared the problem could be made more acute by by the war in Ukraine. The figures also show a 56% increase in private sales since the start of 2022, when the total subsidy fund went up to 71 million euros, while total sales, including business customers, have gone up by 183%. At the same time, the vehicles have become more affordable, with the average price of a new car coming down from 79,000 to 51,000 in the last five years. That has cut the individual subsidy for a vehicle from 4,000 to three thousand two hundred fifty allowing more buyers to apply
1: yeah
0: um, I think you bought a car a new car one and a half years ago or something Uh
1: two years ago yeah I didn't buy a new car, I bought a second-hand car.
0: second-hand car, but do you regret not switching to an EV um, if you look at the gas prices right now? Well, the gas
1: prices, yeah, absolutely. But still, I mean, the actual price of electric vehicles is still, you know, 51000 is still pretty expensive yeah. for a new car. I'm yeah. basically waiting for second-hand, good second-hand electric cars to come on. But I do think next time I change my car, there's a good chance it'll be an electric car. Not least because you're seeing so many more charging points popping up now. Uh, yeah, around the country it's much easier to find somewhere to charge your car
0: yeah especially the Netherlands has a very uh, decent charging infrastructure yeah. yeah and a lot of people complained about you know having all these the subsidies for all these Teslas uh, that we've seen in the past years but you know that was really necessary to have this infrastructure this mm-hmm. charging infrastructure put in place and If you have that, then you can only start uh, having this real um, transformation from fossil fuel cars to electric vehicles. So yeah, um, even though I detest... Tesla, in many ways, um, <laughs> really, I am yeah. grateful that they existed because of this.
1: Yes, yeah. So, 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 yeah. And as you say, there's now a much bigger, wider range and a wider price range as well for electric cars.
0: Yeah. And I'm also happy that uh, car manufacturers stopped uh, designing their electric vehicles as some sort of quasi futuristic uh, cars uh, with, with these very ugly designs. Yeah. They are just designing now normal looking cars, but <laughs> with the battery in it. And yeah, uh, yeah. I applaud this. Uh, um, this development it's a,
1: good, it's a good development yeah we don't have these yeah. modern-day Deloreans which try very hard to look super sleek but they're actually really badly yeah. made and they look very shiny but the interior is actually just really quite flimsy
0: yeah the Tesla is a not a car manufacturer it's a software yeah. uh, firm and uh, yeah they are just not that good in building cars.
1: Ajax are out of the Champions League for another year. They were unable to break through a stubborn Benfica defence and came undone in the 77th minute of the second leg when Andre Onana horribly misjudged a free kick and Darwin Nunes headed into the empty net. And that meant that the Portuguese side now go through to the quarterfinals uh, after the first match was drawn 2-2. Captain Dusum Tardit said after the game, "We were the better team. Benfica did nothing except for one free kick. But you know, if you score one goal more than your opponents, you win. I think that is a general rule of <laughs> football. Even I think, I think most people can grasp that. It does mean that Ajax haven't won a home match in the knockout stages of the Champions League since they beat Borussia Dortmund in the Olympic Stadium in 1996." which is quite a statistic.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, And how did the other Dutch clubs uh, do in Europe?
1: There were four clubs in the last 16 of the uh, Conference League, and we're now down to two. Feyenoord wrapped up Hmm. a comfortable 8-3 aggregate victory over Partizan Belgrade. PSV followed up last week's just insane 4-all draw against uh, F.C. Copenhagen with a commanding 4-0 win in Denmark, but uh, Azet Alkmaar and Fetessa Arnhem were both knocked out uh, in extra time. Azet were winning 2-1 at home against uh, Norwegian polar side Bodo Glimt, but the polar bears equalised to make the aggregate score 4-3. Vitesse were on course as well for an upset in Rome against AS Roma uh, when Maximilian Vitek gave them the lead with a thundering long range volley that levelled up the scores on aggregate. But in extra time, Tammy Abraham headed in a winner to put AS Roma through.
0: Did uh, Vitesse supporters uh, destroy any fountains in Rome or did they behave this time?
1: That was Fire Nord fountains, wasn't it? That destroyed the fountains. Yeah, in that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was it's, it's a Vitesse were blameless. No. <laughs> but They are associated with uh, other forms of destruction because uh, their Russian owner has just announced that he's selling up his shares. Okay. Valeri Oif. Um,
0: is he still allowed to do that?
1: Well, yes, because he's not on the sanction list at the moment. Ah, okay. uh, perhaps he's preempting something. Who knows? He is a very close yeah. friend of uh, <laughs> Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea, who has been sanctioned yeah. and, of course, is not able to sell Chelsea. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So Valeri Oif is, uh, I guess, uh, jumping before he's pushed. He's resigning from the club supervisory board in view of what he called the current situation, which is a nice euphemism. <laughs> He didn't use the words war or invasion, so he's uh, playing along with, uh, with Putin taboo. He became a majority shareholder in 2018. He and his associates have injected around 150 million euros into the club, mostly to make up for its financial deficit. And the Telegraph said it's unlikely that another owner could be found who was prepared to work on the same terms of OIF. In other words, just basically pouring money into it as a kind <laughs> of nice little uh, sort of whitewashing operation. And that would mean a drastic revision of the club's spending and ambitions. Futessa are currently 6th in the Eredivisie they have as we said just been knocked out of uh, the Conference League but they've got good hopes of reaching the playoffs for next year's European places
0: can we can we call just just going back to uh, to the Ajax um, uh, thing uh, for a moment can we call that a, a home win because they weren't playing in their home stadium they were playing in a different alternative stadium
1: yeah technically but they always played their European matches in the Olympic stadium until the arena was built because their, their old stadium wasn't big enough for European football
0: aha uh-huh, okay De Meer, it was uh, De Meer Stadium, yeah, Yeah. yeah, that was the old stadium
1: That's all we have for you this week This podcast is a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes You can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL and earn yourself a free shout on the podcast and our uh, very sincere thanks. My thanks also to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derrick, and we'll be back next week. (laughs)